You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. In um, Birkat Hamazon, in the blessing after meals uh, that we do every time we have a meal, but uh, in particular on Sukkot, over the course of the holiday, there's a special addition that we add to Birkat Hamazon, specifically for Sukkot. Those of you who have uh, been reciting Birkat Hamazon over the course of the holiday know, of course, what I'm talking about. Uh, and the line is, Harachaman hu yakim lanu et sukkat David hanofelet. So may the merciful one uh, raise for us the fallen sukkah, the fallen booth of David. And it's something of a mystery. Why is it that we say this line, this phrase during Sukkot? And it's something that some of you have come up and asked me over the course of the holiday. And uh, it's a, a question worthy of some investigation and some research. So I did a little bit of digging. And as is often the case when there's a great uh, Jewish mystery, the research is much more interesting. That The attempt to ask, answer the question is much more interesting than the answer to the question itself because the investigation produces a lot more questions. So the phrase, Harachaman hu yakim lanu et sukkat David hanofelet, um, is actually a phrase taken from the Bible, taken from the book of Amos, the book of Amos, the prophet, who is talking about uh, the end of days, the end of time, or, uh, or in, uh, in, in probably more contextual meaning, um, the eventual restoration of, uh, of, of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel um, after a period of destruction and exile. And so Amos says in chapter 9, Bayom Hahu, on that day, uh, on the day that God restores the fortunes of the people Israel, Bayom Hahu, Akim et Sukkat David Hanofelet. On that day, I will raise up the fallen Sukkah of David. So, that thickens the plot a little bit of the line that we have in Birkat Mazom. Because even though it contains the word sukkah in it, the word uh, of uh, the booth or tabernacle, in its origins, in its context, the passage deals with the Messianic era. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty the restoration of the fallen sukkah of David. So on Sukkot, we insert a line in the Birkat Mazon that's not really about the holiday of Sukkot. It's not about having you know, joy on the holiday. It's about the end of time, about the Messianic era. And the phrase that it uses to talk about the Messianic era, era hu yakim lanu et sukkat David hanufelet, that God at that time will, will raise up the fallen sukkah of David is still a little bit perplexing. What does it mean that in the Messianic era, God will raise up the fallen sukkah of David? So there are two basic camps in, among the commentators about what this means. There is the minority opinion and there's the majority opinion. 
I think the minority opinion is probably not correct, and I think that the majority opinion is probably correct. It's Jacksonian democracy at work, okay? So uh, the minority opinion says Sukkot David Hanofelet refers to the Beit HaMikdash, refers to the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, why I think that that is probably not correct is because, um, first of all, there is really no other instance in the Bible where, uh, where the Beit HaMikdash is referred to as a, as a sukkah. Uh, and in fact, even though we call Sukkot sometimes in English the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it's really, uh, in, in a lot of senses, a misnomer um, about what uh, Sukkot is meant to signify um, because the, the book of uh, Leviticus says, I caused the people of Israel to dwell in Sukkot when I took them out of Egypt. And the uh, commentators say that that refers to one of two things, either to Sukkot Mamash, right, to literal booths that the Israelites dwelled in, temporary shelters as they were wandering through the wilderness, or it means the Anane HaKavod, the clouds of glory that the tradition says encircled the Jewish people as they uh, fled Egypt and, and wandered in the wilderness until the death of Aaron. But in virtually no commentary does uh, sukkah mean tabernacle in the sense of the mishkan, the tabernacle that uh, went with the children of Israel in the wilderness, or later the Beit HaMikdash that was in Jerusalem. There are some uh, um, uh, historical analyses that suggest that, that Sukkot actually might originally have meant that and was uh, later on uh, adapted to mean uh, the historical thing about uh, leaving Egypt or whatever. But, it, but nevertheless, the other problem with calling Sukkot David Hanofelet uh, the, uh, the, the fallen uh, temple of David is the basic problem that David was not responsible for having built the Beit HaMikdash. David was not responsible for having built the temple. So the majority opinion about what Sukkot David Hanofelet means is Malchut Beit David, the dynasty of David, or the kingship of David. That's what has fallen, and that's what will be uh, raised back up at the end of days. And there are commentator, there's commentator after commentator that says that this is what uh, the prophet Amos is referring to, and therefore what the line in Birkat Amazon is referring to, that, that what we're talking about here is the restoration of the line of David, the restoration of the kingship of David, um, which is embodied in our tradition by Mashiach ben David, the, 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 the anointed, Mashiach means anointed, the anointed king who is the uh, progeny of David. And so therefore, sukkah here is a poetic metaphor for a dynasty or for sovereignty. But then the question becomes, a la sort of like a Lewis Carroll kind of uh, uh, riddle or, uh, or uh, a, um, a J.R.R. Tolkien kind of riddle, how is a sukkah like a dynasty? How is a sukkah like sovereignty? So there are lots of potential answers to this question because it's poetic metaphor. There's not necessarily one right answer. And I look forward to having conversations with anybody who wants to have conversations with me about this uh, during Kiddush. I just have a couple of thoughts about it, okay? And I really, I think I have three things that I want to say about how the uh, metaphor works. 
So the first is um, Allah the Radak, a uh, classic commentator of the prophets, says, Sukkot David Hanofelet refers to Mashal ki hi sochechet kol ha'am. It's, an, it's a parable in the sense that uh, David's kingship gathered and covered all the people together. And that is a feature of the sukkah. The feature of the sukkah is that we leave our permanent dwellings, which are really private domains, right? This is my house, my 40 acres and a mule, right? This is my stuff. And we leave that space and we go to a temporary shelter, which even though we built it, it may be on our property, actually is in some senses public domain. And we embody that by trying to invite as many people as we can into our Sukkot over the holiday. And we even invite um, spiritual guests into our Sukkah over the course of the holiday. The idea of the Sukkot, the idea of Sukkot, the idea of it being Ushpizin, guests that we invite to our, to our Sukkah, it's Chag Ha'asif, the holiday of, of gathering in. Because a Sukkah is symbolic of gathering people together. And it is actually, uh, in, in many cases, um, a reality of gathering people together who are otherwise disparate in their own uh, private domains. And in the same way, David was the first king of Israel who united all of the tribes of Israel. And so when we say that, uh, that, that uh, uh, God will raise up the fallen sukkah of David, what I think is, is Im- embodied in that image is a sense of the reunification of all the Jewish people. That we're all gathered together. That despite our differences, despite our disparities, all of those are beautiful and interesting and worthy in and of themselves. But true redemption will happen when we see each other as members of one united family. That happened in the time of David and one day may happen again. The second thing, I think, um, is that if you uh, follow the uh, prophetic uh, denunciations of what was happening during, uh, the, uh, during the reign of David's uh, um, ancestors uh, until the destruction of uh, Jerusalem in 586 BCE, what they say the reason is for that ultimate destruction is a breakdown of social justice. That people didn't treat each other as equals, that people treated each other as means to ends, that, uh, that there was no rule of law in society, that there was no uh, sense of the commonality of humanity within society. And so when we say, that God will raise up the sukkah of David, think about what a sukkah embodies. Partially in the sense that it gathers everybody in and that it's a place for everybody to congregate, but also, it's, even though Sukkot from place to place will look a little bit different, ultimately, they are much more similar one to another than each of our houses, than each of our cars, than each of our property. A Sukkah is an equalizer. It's a social equalizer. It's a place where all can gather. It's a place where all humanity has equal stake. And so when we say that in the, in the Messianic era, God will raise up the fallen sukkah of David, what it's saying is it will restore a time in which justice, equality, peace, and love 
are the dominant features of our culture. The third thing that I think is meant by calling the Davidic dynasty a sukkah is that over the course of time, the Davidic dynasty did not stand. The Book of Kings constantly compares back each of David's ancestors with David and Solomon, whether or not they upheld their virtues and their values of, um, of, of leading the people in justice and in remaining faithful to God. And sometimes those ancestors were good about that, but most of the time they weren't until ultimately the kingdom was destroyed. In much the same way, a sukkah is a fragile temporary shelter. And in order for it to remain standing, in order for it to remain beautiful, it requires constant vigilance and constant upkeep. You can't just let your sukkah flap in the breeze, otherwise it will fly away, right? Without constant attention, uh, look at our sukkah outside, right? When the rain comes, all the stuff gets washed away and washed down. And so in order for the Messianic era to really work, in order for that era of love and justice to withstand the tests of time and to remain eternal, it requires constant attention and constant vigilance. We always think of the Messianic era, this, this era of perfection and redemption, as the way it's always going to be once it happens. And here the image is, it's much more fragile than you think it is. And in order to have that kind of world and that kind of society, it can be built in a day, but it requires eternal vigilance to sustain. So when we pray, we pray that God on Sukkot, embodied by Sukkot, metaphorized by Sukkot, symbolized by the Sukkot that we dwell in, that God will restore the Sukkah of David. I think it might mean each of those three things and more. 